Coming up on today's show. Wednesdays are for the players. Rob Gronkowski joins the show and we have a few adult beverages and talk about being champions. Joe's a loser, so he wasn't invited. Just kidding. You're a lightweight hawk. Speaking of, with two weeks left before Tomahawk Live, we debut the rules of the Tomahawk drinking game. Get your weight up, hawk. Two weeks before, we put back some 73 Kolsch's together in the land. Joe explains how the Browns are still going to win the Super Bowl, and I explain how a Browns QB almost got me killed. All of this and much, much more coming up on another award-winning episode of The Tomahawk Show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Tomahawk Show, the International Association of Culinary Professional Award-winning culinary show. I am your host, Andrew Hawkins, 5'7 in your program, number one in your heart. Hmm, Mm. fun fact. I have a fun fact. I'm joined by my co-host, Joe Thomas. We'll start there. Joe, how you doing today? Doing great as always, man. Never had a bad day, right? As long as I'm podcasting with you, my friend. Yeah, man. Life is good. And you're filthy rich. That probably helps, too. Here's, here's a rando story for <laughs> Thanks you. Thanks to though. you. <laughs> there we go. It's it was all the blocking you did. I know. So a funny story about me. When I was going into my senior year in high school. Well, no. Scratch that. I'm my second year with the Bengals, right? And do you remember the name Devere Posey? He was a wide oh, yeah. receiver for the Ohio State Buckeyes. He was in like. The Ohio State. The Ohio State Buckeyes. And you they had put, some stuff going on there. Put with some the, fancy on that. Yeah. <clears throat> so. My second year with the Bengals, there's rookies in for visit before the draft. And my receiver coach is like, yeah, we got Devere Posey coming in. You know, you know, I'm going to bring him by the locker room. Everybody just say, what's up? And so he gets in the locker room, and I'm sitting there with AJ and all them. And he walks up to me, and he was like, Hawk, what's up, man? And I'm, I'm always surprised people know who I am. And I'm like, oh, what's up, man? How you doing? He's like, oh, you, you don't remember me, do you? I'm like, no. Nah. He's like, you're my cousin. I'm don't like, stop. Come on. I'm like, what? <laughs> Cousin? He was like, yeah, man, you don't remember? So when I was a kid, my, my older brother, Artrell, played for the University of Cincinnati. And my grandfather would always say, Yo, you have, we have family in Cincinnati. Make sure you go have dinner with them. And, you know, we're, we're like, no we're very, you know, we like to stay by ourselves. Just put it that way. We had too many kids in the house. Uh, oh, you guys are loners. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Though I've loners. got four kids at home, and like I love the nights when I'm out in LA doing total access, and I just can go to dinner by myself, <laughs> sit at the bar, don't talk to anybody, go exactly. back at like nine o'clock where nobody's talking to me, and I don't have to say a word. So because we grew up in a house with so many people, we're all loners. So my brother would never like go That's over right. the house. Well, when I was a senior, I went to football camp at the University of Cincinnati. And he was like, look, we're going to go have dinner with this, you know, with our family. Uh, we're going to, I forget where we met at some hotel close to the house. Uh, but my, my granddad would always be telling us to make sure you meet up with your, this, this part of your family. So when I was there, there was these two little boys and they were like 13 and 12 or maybe. And then they had an older sister who was my age and they're my cousins. They're like, oh, you know, we're, we're like five, fifth, fifth cousins or sixth cousins or something. And, mm-hmm. you know, our families are both from Georgia. We're like, we moved to Cincinnati. Your family moved to Pennsylvania. You know, our, our both of our great granddads are first cousins or whatever it was, right? So it's like, oh, okay, cool. So fast forward, Devere Posey is like, yeah, you don't remember? You were closer to my sister's age, man. We went out to eat that time you came to Cincinnati. Me that and Julian. So how about Devere and Julian Posey, that who actually funny. played for the Browns, and I ended up signing with the Browns when he was there. These are my two cousins. These were the little boys in that restaurant that grew up to go to the NFL. <laughs> That is crazy. You have one of the most athletic families of all time, uh, which probably intros who we have as a special guest today as good as anything because he may be the most athletic type family. Like you got shitloads of cousins that are in the NFL that are amazing. But the Gronkowskis probably have the most boys that are all brothers that have gone on to athletic fame. Yep, I agree, man. So Devere Posey now playing with the Montreal Alouettes, a family team. Yeah, he was the Ohio State Buckeye. That's how I figured out who my cousin grew up to be. So welcome to the Tomahawk Show. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Reddit, at Tomahawk Show. Join our Facebook group, Tomahawk. Hit our voicemail lineup, 440-628-1376. You heard it from Joe, man. Wednesdays are for the players, and we got probably the best tight end in NFL history. This is another one of those situations well, where it might be true. We, we can't say that because no, Travis is going to call us best. right after the yep, show's over, right. and he's going to ream us out because right. he's pretty 
darn good himself. Kelsey is the best tight end in NFL history, but Gronk is the best tight end in NFL history. So we want to make <laughs> like sure we make a clear a differentiation between yes, the two of them. But different. he joins the Tomahawk show for the first time ever. Joe didn't couldn't stand to even talk to the guy, and he big-timed him. Well, you see, I, I was afraid since I'd beaten him so many times as a Cleveland Brown and humiliated him yeah. repeatedly that uh, the interview wasn't going to go as well. So I let a couple Patriots just yuck it up, you know. Just uh, I listened to the interview and it was fantastic. Although I do wonder how many hot and toddies you guys had before the interview because <laughs> you both sounded like you guys were having a lot of fun. And I am going to HR and letting him know that you don't deserve <laughs> to be paid since you guys were both drinking on the job. He brought a case of 73 Kolsch, so... All right, it's allowed. You get double time now. All right, but more importantly, our Tomahawk Live show. It's our 100th episode, and we are taping it live in Cleveland at the House of Blues on November 13th, Wednesday, 2019, the night before the Browns kick off against the Steelers on Thursday Night Football. Yo, we got some dope guests. We're going to start announcing guests next week. And, yeah, it's going to be an awesome time, man. Make sure you buy tickets at our Twitter account, Click the link in the bio, Ticketmaster, House of Blues. Joe, what do you got for me? I'm just really excited because we've been talking about doing a live show for pretty much the entire life of the podcast because we've always said, you know, how great would it be to be able to get fan interaction in real time where they could engage and they could ask questions and they could laugh and they could point their fingers and tell us how stupid we are. (laughs) And we really like that type of immediate feedback. You know, as football players, we're just more comfortable when somebody's yelling at us and telling us what we suck at. Uh, And My wife would make an incredible football coach, but go ahead. Yeah, she'll make a great football coach. Hopefully she'll be in the audience so she can be the number one heckler. Uh, (laughs) But the more exciting thing than regular football is the fact that we will be playing the Tomahawk drinking game as we're getting yelled at and heckled by the fans. So uh, it should be an epic night. We've got an incredible lineup of guests. We're going to take you guys behind the scenes inside the locker room for never before heard stories from you, me, and all the great guests we have. Uh, So it's just going to be an incredible night. Cannot wait. House of Blues Cleveland. Epic. Epic. And you know what? I'm going to drop two guests that are going to be in the building for sure. Oh. Uh, this is, you know, producer John is looking at me like, what are you doing, bro? This is top secret. He's like, you can't do it now. We sent producer John to go find the missing members of the Tomahawk show, and he was successful. His oh uh, Italian heritage makes him a master uh, hunter, <laughs> bounty hunter. I was going to say, does that make him a great detective? Or yeah. uh, what, what? He, he, I don't think the got, Pink Panther was Italian. I think he was like he, some pink he's, race. He's found NFD and Fat Nat by cooking pasta oh for the guards. And they got so full that they fell asleep and he was able. <laughs> they were in Venice. Yeah, they were in Venice. He, he went all the that way back exciting. to Italy and found them. So NFD. You just got me excited. If they're Fat coming, Nat, I'm really excited. They are coming. Yeah, That is confirmed. Oh it is going to be awesome. We got Fat Nat, NFD, yeah. join us. We're getting the whole family back together. Somewhere Zerm oh. is listening to this like, wait a minute, nobody called me. <laughs> Zerm, you work seven days a week <laughs> for the NFL. I see, I see Zerm all the time, by the way. We both work at the NFL Network. So essentially the NFL has just paid all of us to just come do content for them. But listen, November 13th, make sure you're there. Buy your tickets. It's going to be awesome. We'll be announcing more guests next week. All right. Now it's time to move on to this Gronk interview where I basically sold Joe out. Wednesdays are for the players. Travis Kelsey. This entire time I thought it was Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Kareem Jackson. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? Yeah. Ooh. Here we go. Saquon. One, One two, two, three, four. four. I declare a thumb war. Do you think, Ma? Let's get it. It's Tomahawk Show. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce the best tight end in NFL history, making his Tomahawk debut, Rob Gronkowski. Rob, what up, man? Thank you. Thank you. First, let's first let's get right to it. Do you want to go by Rob or Gronk? Because everyone calls you Gronk. You know. But I always wonder if that's something... Yeah, whatever you want, man. Uh, I love both names, you know. All right, I'm gonna call you it's Ted. Cool. Ted? Yeah, I'm just oh, gonna man. switch I, it all the way up. Yeah, wow, that is which I like Ted the movie, so you know <laughs> I, like, I like his character. So if I can play him a day, that would be pretty sweet. All right, so that's perfect. We'll, we'll go with that. All right, so me and you are former Patriots. Yes, let's get, we are. let's get that out of the way first and foremost, and that's why for everyone listening who is used to hearing Joe, we as former Patriots are such champions and winners that we couldn't dilute our air with that loser. Uh, so we decided, you know what, you can't even be a part of the Rob Gronkowski interview. So that's why he's not here. All so right. That's, under, yeah. That leads me but into my first question. Didn't you play for them too? 
we're not going to talk about that all right, right now. All right. We're talking about championship ways. Okay, I like me it. me and you. All right. Um, which leads me to my first question. Do you even remember me being on the team? Yes, I do. You, you know, you're the little guy that's the <laughs> quickest feet I've, like, ever seen. Your legs were, like, running like uh, <laughs> like spiders, man. Like, that's, that's that was you. And then you'd be, like, flying in the air, going for passes, falling on the ground, tumbling. I remember those days, man. Dang, yes, you I do. do remember. Yes, I do. I honestly didn't think you remember me playing on the team. No, I do, man. You're there in the summer. You were there all summer. All summer. <laughs> they got they got <laughs> every penny out of you. They got they got every worth out of you. Bring them in for the summer. Have them run every route that you know. <laughs> you know, we need to see our quarterbacks perform. Yep, and then yeah. I, then I retired. Um, and you retired. Tell me this: How did you make it in New England? Because I, for one, had a it was a shock to my system. Coming into New England. People didn't even talk to each other, man. Like the coaches. I would come down the hallway with other coaches and they wouldn't even say hi. How is that how does that become normal? <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, just the atmosphere there. It's a it's a business atmosphere for sure. It's a winning atmosphere, no True doubt that. about that. Yep. Winning all the time. Uh, no matter do. what. It's what we do, man. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kinda used to the atmosphere there. Some things like that just didn't even pop out to me. Uh, you know, because I was there so much, so so you know, eventually, if you, after fifty times of walking by a coach, he probably didn't want to say hi to me anymore. Yeah, <laughs> did you? So ever, did you it ever, was all good. Did you ever beef with Bill Belichick? Did you guys no. ever get into beef? No, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, you know, uh, never liked anything like that. Um, you know, he's just always coached me. Always listened to his coaching. I mean, you got to respect his coaching skills. I mean, they're they're top notch. He's the best coach out there, hands down. His knowledge is just second to none, and you can just see he out coaches teams. It's crazy, mm -hmm. uh, and and he's just such a genius at it. And so you know, I'm in there to do my job. I was in there to get better. I was in there to help the team. So you know, any coaching point I could take, I could take. But no, we never really butt heads. We sometimes talk garbage on the field uh -huh. and stuff sometimes. But you know, during practice, during training camp, but that's all. Everything was fun. You know my favorite part about being there for the little time that I was which was literally May to training camp is everyone would ask me what was it like and it was a crazy atmosphere and I actually have a notebook full of notes that I took on everything like down to the the, the messages he had on the wall to the when you walk in the championship rings that are literally on display everything points to winning as being the most important thing but the thing that shocked me the most Rob was how dominant that you are not just as a football player, even in practice. Now, I played with Josh Gordon, who was a dominant player. Like, in practice, you know, he's a physical specimen. I played with A.J. Green. He's a beast. In practice, he would dominate. I don't think people realize, and they know you're a dominant tight end, but how hard you practiced was, like, the biggest shock to me. Not that I didn't think you practiced hard, but I remember one specific uh, period when the defense, you know, might have been getting the better of the offense – that time and, and you took it upon yourself they were talking trash and we were in the red zone you just ran straight into the end zone there were four people you took two guys threw them to the ground it was clearly offensive pass interference but you were so pissed you caught the touchdown and did the Gronk spike and they were got, got mad and you were talking shit like that's how competitive you were and I was like shocked they're like yo this dude really cares a lot about winning oh yeah man big time uh you know that was just the atmosphere ever since I got there day one I remember it was practice hard, practice real hard. And when you first get there as a rookie, you want to show everything you got. You know, you have to give everything. It's your rookie year. You got to prove yourself. No matter what the circumstances are, you got to fight through it. And uh, that just installed from the very beginning. And, you know, I just felt like that atmosphere was always like that. So I always kept that type of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. always, type, always kept that type of competitiveness that was installing me even going into my rookie year. Uh, you know, that's how they did things around there. That's why they, it's a winning atmosphere. They practice hard. They play hard. Uh, you know, practices were always tough. Uh, they were never easy. But, you know, uh, it, it it was part of the game plan. It was part of the, you know, winning atmosphere. It was uh -huh. part of doing your job. And you got to be on the same, uh, you know, uh, chemistry as the other as your, as your other teammates. If you're not on the same chemistry going into game time, you don't know what you're going to get. So we all trusted each other. We all practiced hard, and we all wanted to show each other we're there for each other. That's the other thing, bro. So I, I came there after graduating from my master's from Columbia, right? So I'm supposed to be quote-unquote smart. I couldn't understand the playbook. Like, the plays that they would install on the paper, when they got to the field, Julian, uh, you know, Dola, they were they look completely different 
how the hell are you supposed to lock that playbook down? Like, I feel like you guys are just making shit up on the fly. You know, definitely make stuff up on the fly. Every single day, there's going to be something new, hands down. It's, it just doesn't go right out of the playbook. You got to be ready at all times. You got to be ready for Tom to change a play in the game in the middle of the play. That's that's yeah. how ready you got to be. But, uh, no, the playbook takes a while, man. I, I remember my rookie year, I didn't play as much because I didn't know the playbook. It wasn't yeah. because of my skill. I was like, why aren't I playing? But it's because they didn't trust me because – I didn't know the playbook, you know, to yeah. the max T. So I would always make mistakes. And, you know, if you're making mistakes, that outweighs being good Yeah, in, in ways that it hurts the team. If you're hurting the team more in, in not knowing your your what you need to do, your assignment, they're not going to play you even if you have talent because it can hurt the team more if you don't know your assignment. So yeah. that, that's how deep it goes. So you got to always be ready in, in both atmospheres of it. And uh it was just installed from the beginning, man. And But I remember after, like, the eighth week, all of a sudden, it just kicked in. The playbook kicked in. Like, okay, I understand the playbook. And ever since then, I, start, I started and didn't come out. Dang. So it was ever since my rookie year, about the eighth game in, started playing every single play, man. Jeez, man. All right, so Bill Tube. Do you know what Bill Tube is? Or is that the only thing that the receiver said? No, I don't know what that is. So Bill Tube, and I got introduced to this by Edelman, is after the day after practice when all the bad plays they put on the screen in the team meeting about all the bad plays and and you don't want to be on build tube because all your plays are bad i got put on build tube okay build tube so it's like yeah. the next day he puts the film up and yeah the low okay lights. build tube the low okay the low life you film. know what i'm talking okay, about okay the low life film i didn't know what you meant all right on the, on the beginning but you know different terminology at probably the moment of the receivers telling you so yeah uh, build life i mean that stuff i understand that totally now <laughs> But uh, the low life, you know, uh, the next day film. Oh man, I've been put on that plenty of times. What Come was, what on was now. the worst play you had on uh, Bill's Bill Tube or Dude, Low like, Light? Like Patrick Chung just absolutely jamming me up like the whole way down the field, <laughs> like stuff like that, and uh, just not getting open and just making slow, just sloppy errors with the ball. Sloppy yeah. errors with the ball too. Always got on for fumbles. You know, just trying to you know showboat or something to have the ball hanging out and and just getting it knocked out because you don't have the ball secured. So. I'll definitely go on low lice when whenever that happens. Yeah. Okay. So when was the when was the first time you started thinking that ah oh, man I might I might retire sometime soon? Like we know you retired after the Super Bowl, but like for me, by the time I retired, I had been thinking about it. My first time it popped up in my mind was like three years earlier, right? I'm at the Browns, we're losing a lot, or I'm getting hurt or something, and I'm like. I don't know how much longer I'm going to do this. When did that when did that first pop into your mind? At what point? Uh probably like 2 years ago, yeah. you know, doing another training camp and then doing another training camp and you know, just times it's just start getting a little tougher, you know. Mm-hmm. Start you get feel the aches, starting to feel the pains and when you start feeling that, I mean, you know, taking your physical physical game down, your mental game down, uh it you know, you just, it's harder to enjoy the game cuz you're just fighting through it. So when it, when that started happening, you know, some weeks were better than the others. But, you know, you gave it all my all still, no matter what. I wasn't going to give up or anything. I no. mean, it was just getting tougher times. It was just getting tougher to do what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, there's many reasons that go into that. And, uh, you know, totally understand the reasons. You know, you got you know, you learn as you live. But uh, uh, at the same time, you know, that's what was happening. So yeah. that's where I was in life. So, you know, just so started thinking about it. But then after last season, everything went well. Finished the season off, you know, wasn't going to stop was going to give my all, and that's what I did. We won a championship, which uh, is another one, which is crazy. And also that was in the back of my mind that we were on a championship-winning team, and you can't give up on your teammates, so you got to keep playing, man. You got to keep going. Like, what what are you going to do? Like, uh, you got to go full speed. You know, you know you have a chance to win. You got to go full speed no matter how you're feeling. And uh, that's what I did. We ended up winning, you know, had some big plays in the playoffs. Which was pretty dope, you know, to end yeah, like that. Did. Super. It was it was a great way, a high note to end. So how does your body feel now? Yeah, you know, it feels good, you know. I've, I've just been taking care of it because you know I know the beating that it took yeah. for real. I understand, like I felt it. So you know, uh, if the bigger beating, the biggest beating you can take. I mean, that you can also heal from it. Right. I mean, as long as it's not you know too too bad, uh, which it wasn't. It was just beat up. So now it feels good. Just been resting, recovering, doing stuff. Uh, getting treatments, you know, went to Jerusalem, went to Israel, what? went to the Dead Sea, floated in there I've never for a little been bit. Florida. Oh, really? That's you gotta the go. I've been, yeah. Oh, wow, go in the ocean there. Florida's yeah. the ocean, so there you go. <laughs> you know, so there's three minerals in the ocean. There you go. Yeah, I think it's only, I think it's three. I don't even know what we're talking about yeah, anymore, Rob. That's okay. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, you minerals. Your your <laughs> is, is so I knew beyond it was going mine that, that you're surpassing. <laughs> 
even my thought process. So what excites you now? Now you're doing Fox Sports, which is awesome. Yeah, Fox Sports, which is awesome. I'm an analyst, uh, which is pretty crazy. You have some pretty – we do a catchphrase game on the Tomahawk Show where we pick a catchphrase every yes. week. And me and Joe, me and Joe are both with the NFL Network. We have to incorporate that into our national media appearances. So the first one was get your money's worth. The second one was can't measure that with an abacus. And the third one was leave him in the laundry mat. You had a pretty good catchphrase on Fox, which was he's going to get that nut. Yes. Where did that come from? You know, he's going to get that nut. Um, you know, they told me about five minutes before that Aaron Andrews is going to kick it to me after a show with Julian. So she's going to ask me about Julian. And I'm in time. So I was like, all right, I got to get, just get something to say about Julian. Uh, the squirrel. The squirrel. So he always calls himself the squirrel, yep. which he is. It's actually really great resemblance. <laughs> uh, he came up with it, and he always had, makes T-shirts and stuff, calls himself the squirrel. And then, no lie, and then at the same time, I thought of another idea. Back in the day, my friends started a company called College Mansion. They made T-shirts. Uh, it, was my, it was my oldest brother, friend, Gord. Uh, he started the, his friend started the company, and one of his T-shirts was even a blind squirrel always gets a nut. Yeah. So then I was like, man, so if Julian's a squirrel, then I remembered that my brother wears this T-shirt all the time. <laughs> even a blind squirrel can get a nut, and it's my oldest brother, Gord, wearing it. Of, of course, it was great. A great <laughs> shirt, and I just was like, wow. If he's a squirrel, I'm going to say he always gets a nut. It's like getting the football. It's like getting the first down. It's like getting like a touchdown. That. And that's how I compared it. And it just worked out super well. You know, It was awesome, it man. It was perfect. By far the best catchphrase I've yeah. ever heard. Thank you, on, man. On Thank football. you. So yeah, we're going to adopt that here. Football, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a football. You heard that? <laughs> my All right, friend so Goon wants to get a nut. He never does. So my, my oh, prediction. Hey, here was my prediction oh. a couple years ago. I predicted that you and Tom Brady – would retire together and ride off in the sunset. I was wrong. I was right. But what if you. I come back and retire when he well, retires? Well, that's my next question. Is, oh, okay. So you may be right. So, so I may be right, but yeah. what is more likely to happen? Yes. Tom Brady retire? What is going to happen first? Tom Brady retire or Gronk is going to come back? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, dang, that's a if tough I had question. A, if I had a million dollars... In my pocket, which I'll I do. Go. I never leave the house without a million dollars cash. Oh, really? Dang. Well, little, little what are you putting this bet on? So I have let's to go make put a this, mill. Let's make a let's mill. Make a mill. If you're putting Gronk? a mill on the bet, let's make a mill. What am I putting it on? Help me out put here. It with uh, wow, Tom Brady retires yeah. or Gronk comes back. I would say back. Tom retires. Tom retires. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Put it on that. Put it on Tom retiring. Okay. And then I just, you know, we just. I don't you know, know. As an athlete, I need to find some revenue because you know all these athletes go bankrupt. They say like, what? How, what? How In much? five years. In five years. Yep. So you know, we got to find a way to make money. So put that, put that bet on the line. Let's make a mill. All right, let's make a mill. I'm betting that Tom Brady retires. <laughs> let's make a mill. All right. That makes me not come back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel the money. There we go. All right, girl. the man. void. We appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk Show without the Tomahawk version. Yeah, Joe Thomas. I am Joe. We're R. sorry R. you missed, you know, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for, you know, you know we didn't need pleasure your, to be on your show, Joe. Your loser energy on our show, Joe. Yeah. Grog, appreciate go. you joining us, man, as, as fellow Patriot. Yeah, this man, is a championship no problem, effort. man. Thank you very much. My dog. You guys are uninterrupted. You guys are killing it. You guys are great. Love being here. Uninterrupted, everyone. Check us out. We're more than athletes. I'm Jack Diesel, too, baby. <laughs> that is a wrap. All right, Joe, let's take a break to talk about our sponsor for this show, Yoked. You are Yoked, and everybody is wondering, like, how did Joe get an eight-pack after being a blubbering lard mm. for so many years? Wow. How did you do it? Uh, now that you've destroyed my ego, okay. uh, that's okay, but I'll, I'll, I will tell you something. I've been on this product called Yoked for about six months now, uh -huh. and I've been a guy who is always a protein supplement guy, so throughout my whole career, going back to college i was always a protein guy right and protein's great it helps with muscle synthesis it helps build muscle it helps preserve muscle when you're exercising but this new product called yoked is really cool because it is not a protein supplement it's not a protein replacement but what it does it actually makes your protein shakes more effective mm. it works in your stomach with the protein that you're ingesting after you work out to make your protein better so you build more muscle you preserve your muscle if you're in a deficit and it makes you yoked like me so if you ever get your ass off the couch okay. and get yourself some yoked this will make your protein supplements better and your eight pack harder all right i like that how does it taste because that's always my thing when i'm when i'm when i'm 
putting things in my body to make sure that I look mm. like a Greek god because I'm going to get fat. Oh. I'm just going to take time. Mm. I always wonder, does it taste bad? How does it taste, Joe? Yeah, you know what? It's awesome because not only does it taste good, but because it is made from fertilized egg yolks, it has a creamy consistency. You know, like the delicious part of a malted milkshake or a shake is if you ever put a raw egg in there, it's because that that egg yolk makes a creamy consistency that's delicious. So it actually takes your protein shakes, which are pretty decent, but can be a little bit gritty sometimes. And it makes them creamy and smooth, much more like a milkshake. And it's delicious. My like kids that. love it. So it actually not only makes your protein shakes better for you, but it makes them taste better also. Awesome. I love that. Listen, we are giving all of you listeners an exclusive discount so that you can try Yoked for yourself. Head over to Yoked.com and use code JOE20 at checkout for 20% off of your order. And if you order from Yoked.com, you will be entered into a sweepstakes to win an all-expenses-paid trip to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California on January 1st. So use the JOE20 promo code for 20% off of your product at Yoked.com and have a chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime college football experience. Go get that muscle. Sounded like you guys were having a lot of fun there. What time of evening did that interview take place? Uh, it was at 3 o'clock at uh, a Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, where I prefer to do all my interviews, Joe. So I just love how on Thursday Night Football, we're in New England, and it becomes must-see TV. Everybody is glued to the television, and Gronk goes on the one that he just explained about. You know, Edelman's furry like a squirrel, and he's got to get that nut. <laughs> it's just perfect because he's just so on brand all the time. And I think that's why everybody loves him because they know exactly what they're going to get from him. He's going to make you laugh. He's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. And you did a great job with that interview. Although you're not uh, Howard Stern by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> you have a really uncanny ability to get people to uh, act comfortable and loose, which is really hard with Gronk. He yeah. hardly ever opens up to the fans so congratulations nice job on that one i appreciate it joe i appreciate it man you know um a, a good way to we get fans to open up is the tomahawk drinking game joe so well, we it have sounded like you may have been doing that during the gronk interview i'm not gonna I cast have, aspersions here I, but <laughs> i may have played the board game a couple times early just to make sure the rules worked uh so we're gonna get the rules going right now john producer john is here and he's gonna tee us up with the drinking game rules Shout out to the Tomaflock. We got some incredible submissions. So the one and only rule of the drinking game for weeks now has been the Shanahan rule, which right. we all know. <laughs> if you ever hear Kyle Shanahan, you drink. Hawk said Kyle Shanahan, I think, 30 times on the Sunday show. Yep. So if anyone's still alive after that, we have more rules for you guys. <laughs> just just to be clear, you don't have to drink your entire drink every yeah. time you hear And it Kyle also Shanahan. doesn't have to be alcohol. just means take a sip. Yeah, a little sip. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Yeah. It can be don't. purple drink. Or anything else. It doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be drugs it or it cocaine. It doesn't have to be alcohol. You take, you could take a, a lick of your cocaine. Oh, cocaine. Oh, you could take a lick of your lollipop cocaine. Uh, all right. So what was what was it? What's the first rule of the the, the drinking show? I, I might be hammered right now. I, I haven't the had drinking a drinking show. I, I swear. <laughs> Um, it's right. basically what this has turned into a drinking show. So how are we going to do this? There's a ton of rules. Yes. Just a list of, of okay, rules so that yeah. you drink every time. Okay. So you drink every time anyone says Kyle Shanahan. We all know that one. Right. Drink every He's time right. Hawk says, if you've been living under a rock. Okay. I like that. <laughs> oh, one. that's a good that's one. That's a good one. Here's another good one. Take a shot every time somebody blames RG3. Ooh. That's a, Ooh. <laughs> that's a special one. Joe is like definitely going to be uh, to the cause for a lot of people getting drunk with that one. I'm, I'm bringing at least one bottle of tequila to the live show right? because right. we're going to need it when we're talking about <laughs> RG3 and why it's his fault. Drink twice every time Hawk mentions his CFL championships, one for each championship. Oh, <laughs> yes. You got to drink twice for each ring. I drink, like that one. Drink every time Hawk calls somebody the best blank in history. That's an easy one. That's a, I mean, that's, that's the best rule in history for a drinking <laughs> game, but still, I think. That goes without saying for this show. Drink every time Joe mentions fasting or his diet. Ooh, that is that, that's a little. I'm sensitive about that one. <laughs> uh, drink every time I say I was a patriot. You would be getting hammered from this show yes. for that one. What else we got? Drink every time someone uses one of the catchphrases. Ah, a little new little wrinkle. The catchphrases I, just keep building too. There's a stockpile of catchphrases now to choose from. I know. And for God, anybody that listening, is cold, man, our catchphrase for the week is "Pop it on play that." Uh, so we're excited about that one. Drink 
anytime Joe talks about something he isn't supposed to talk about during run pass option, that mm, is happens the, every week. That's the backbreaker. I'm a violator, but I always try to end my points so I don't get killed. But I did get killed a few times uh, last week. <laughs> drink anytime Hawk mentions how humble he is. That's in the first minute of every show, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah. And then finally, drink anytime someone makes fun of or mentions Hawk's M&M's take. Ah, okay. Candy bar. That's, that's a take that I didn't expect to live for as long as it has. People have really enjoyed that. I thought that was the most obvious answer of all time. Of course, M&Ms are not candy bars. Imagine Idiot. my surprise when I found out that people didn't know that they were candy bars. I've been living <laughs> my whole life. I'm 33, <laughs> thinking that oh. people understood that it was just a category and not an Speaking actual of, literal. Go ahead. You're you're a digital media hall of famer to be. Yeah. Did you notice that M&Ms have come out with a legitimate M&M candy bar? Or was that something that you paid the social team to put out there? To create? No. People tweet me that at least 10 times a week. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, like while they're in the rock. store, they find the M&M candy bar. They're like, oh, he's been, he's right. He's right. Uh, I must be doing too much fasting. Yeah. You must have that that filter blocked on Twitter. Chocolate. Anybody, yeah. Anytime somebody tweets chocolate. So if M&Ms I, are a candy bar and three. there's candy in the M&M candy bar, that's a candy bar inside of a candy bar? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a two in one. It's like a Siamese twin. <laughs> you get two for one. <laughs> All right. So. I've never been conflicted with that problem, <laughs> I guess. You know what? I think we do need to, to throw something out to the listeners here because this is an excellent drinking game right now. But um, there needs to be more than just you drink. Like there should be activities that you have to do yes. not outside of just drinking. Like for instance, just to keep it simple, like give a shot to somebody or, right. you know, uh, one of my favorites when we used to play drunk Jenga, which was a classic was like uh, you had to make a gun sound or you had to make like uh, um, yeah, that different sounds. Yeah, you had to like uh, trade shirts with the person to your right, like different, different other things besides just strictly like pounding your beverage <laughs> of choice. So okay, we're I gonna like just that. throw that out there. We're gonna to the uh, the tomaflock. We're gonna create some wrinkles. You're right, tomaflock. We need some wrinkles. We need you to come up. We need you to get more clever because Joe is he's a nuanced kind of guy. This is too easy for him because he <laughs> would too easy. he would he would just it's do so all these things in a row just so he can quickly get hammered. Uh, so we gotta we gotta add some wrinkles, John. That's 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 the next step. All right, what we got? It's I mean, a great start. The the thing about this show is we have these rundowns. We had the Gronk interview lined up, and we talked so much not too long ago that we're like, man, what to talk about next? We don't have an explain yourself this show, but I have a tweet that I sent out that I do want to put an explanation to. All right, Omar Kelly tweeted in response to a Steve Young clip that he played, where Steve Young was talking about the Miami Dolphins. And he was saying, like, it's okay. You want to get a good quarterback. You want to lose in order to put yourself in a better position as an organization. Um, but he was basically saying, in not so many words, you're you're essentially putting players' health at risk in doing so. It mm-hmm. makes it more dangerous. A beat writer uh, for in Miami, Omar Kelly, who I've, I've seen a lot of his articles, actually. I'm a big fan of all of his writing. But he then tweeted oh. with a comment, all of it, every single article he's ever written. <laughs> That's a, a bold statement, of. Cotton. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm really, really into Omar Kelly articles. Um, but he tweeted with a, retweeted with a comment. He said, isn't every player stepping on a field at risk of being hurt? Not sure I get this argument. So I want to, you know, you get these urges to go on a, a Twitter tirade, and it's like, man, I only have so many characters, and it would take so many tweets in this thread, or I, maybe I do a video. I'm like, you know what? This is why I have a podcast. Yes. So I said, when your overall team is so below average, Everyone is at an increased risk of being hurt beyond the assumed risk of just playing the game of football. So what I wanted to say in full was you got to understand that when your team is below, and, I, and I'm an expert at this because of the situation Joe and I went to, through together at the Cleveland Browns, and Joe took it to another level the next year, but it's because when, 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 you're, when your team is below average, it does put everyone at a higher risk of injury getting hurt is because like when you're a quarterback, if your O-line is bad, you have a higher chance of being hit more, which means you have a higher chance of getting hurt. If your quarterback is bad as a receiver, if he can't read defenses, as a receiver, you have a higher chance of getting blown up over the middle, mm-hmm. right? If you're a running back who has bad receivers and they don't respect the pass game, they pack the box with eight 
defenders, you have a higher chance of getting hurt because they're just teeing off and not worried about the responsibility of guarding deep. And it's literally a trickle-down effect at every effect at every single position. So what Steve was trying to say is that's why you're getting hurt because when people come to the NFL, you're assuming that they're going to field the best team possible and understanding you're not going to have 53 elite players. But again, you fall back on the assumption that at least it's going to be equal enough that we are all at the same amount of risk when we go out on Sundays. When your team is that bad, you are not. You're at an increased risk of injury. And the players for a team that is losing on purpose because you are fielding a team that is not up to the standards of normal NFL players, yes, you, you're, you're risking their injury and their careers being wild because you, don't have, you only have but so many opportunities at this and you're wasting a year that you know, you're not going to perform well because the same goes with production on the same side. That's my soapbox. I'm not willing to just. I'm not willing to just fully accept the thesis of your argument because I don't think necessarily because you're on a bad team it puts you at a greater risk. We'd have to obviously, from a nerd standpoint, run the studies of how many guys are on IR, depending you know as it relates to how many losses you have. Because here's here's my point on offense, especially my position as an offensive lineman. Uh If I'm on a bad offense, I'm on the field less because my team can't stay on the field. We can't sustain drives. So maybe instead of 68 plays, which is probably about the NFL average, we're getting on average 60 plays. So eight plays less per game puts me at risk eight times less per game, you know, times 16 per season. Some analytics nerd would have to come up with the reduction in risk that those less fewer plays would have over the increased risk of potentially playing with worse players around me. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, I will give you that from a defensive standpoint because they're going to be out there more and they're going to have to tackle more, which I think is where defenders are primarily put at the most amount of risk is the tackling, is the contact with a ball carrier. Uh, I remember Dequel Jackson on those bad Browns teams that were on. He was getting, you know, like 10 to 15 more plays per game and he was having many more tackles. I think he even led the NFL in tackles. Uh, because we're on a bad team and he's the middle linebacker, so he's getting a lot of tackles. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in his case, yeah, I would give you that, that he's probably at an increased risk for injury, but I'm not sure that uh, that holds true for everyone. Well, I, I would argue, I would then refute your That's rebuttal. just so nuanced that it wasn't even worth saying. But Well, I, I would then say that it would have to be on a per-play basis, like one for one. The, the, the worst team is at a higher risk in those one play than the good team's worst, worst play at each position overall. Because even in your example for the defense, you could also make your argument to say that, oh, well, the defense, the defense will also have less plays because they're not as good and the offense would score quicker every time. But typically, so they would also have less I, plays I would say in my defense. experience, when you have a bad offense and just a bad team overall, Teams aren't just scoring on huge chunk plays repeatedly. It's more like they're getting five, seven, ten. They're like methodically moving down the field and kicking your ass because you're afraid of giving up the deep stuff. Um, so you can try to keep everything in front of you. There's something about that that's interesting to me because, Hawk, you're saying as a receiver yeah. that playing with a bad quarterback puts you at risk. Yes, it's Joe, dangerous. would you agree with that basic premise? That a yeah, bad I, receiver? I can agree with that because he's going to throw you into bad spots. He's not going to see man and zone. He's not going to understand right. where the ball placement needs to be so you're not getting your head taken off by a linebacker that's just standing there and staring at your crossing route. Mm-hmm. And as you were making that point, Hawk, I was thinking, is there a situation where having other bad players would put you, Joe, a left tackle at risk? Do you feel like there are any cases yes. like that? It's actually happened quite often. Uh, when you have <laughs> other <laughs> when you have bad offensive linemen or other blockers that are bad around you, a lot of times they're out of balance and they don't have control over their body. And so you may be blocking your guy fine, but they're falling and tripping all over themselves and they're trying to save the day because they've been beat but they're trying to like not get the quarterback or the running back murdered. So they do like the Superman dive to try to get one last shove on their guy. And of course they always fly into the back of your legs while you're engaged and you're bracing. And um, I've had it a lot of times too, where the right tackle gets beat and he, 
and the the defensive end over the right tackle is trying to sack the quarterback, and so he dives at the quarterback. Well, the quarterback kind of shakes him off. Well, the momentum of the defensive end's body on the other side just flies right into the back of your legs. And actually, I tore a couple MCLs just like that. One time it was Cameron Wake. He mm. was coming around, and he tried to sack one of the quarterbacks that we had. I forget who it was, uh, 20 to choose from. But um, <laughs> And he went right into the outside of my left leg on the, like, the very last play of a game that we were losing by like 28. So it was totally meaningless. But, of course, those defensive linemen, they're looking for their stats in those games because yep. that's when they get most of their sacks is when they're winning – and they're going against a bad team. Um, and so that's happened to me a number of times when you have poor blockers around you, the defense is going for a sack or a tackle for a loss, and they fly into the back of your legs. So what's more dangerous for an offensive lineman, run plays or pass plays? Um, probably run plays because there's just more bodies falling all over the place, and it's it's less predictable. Like in pass pro, for the most part, I kind of know if I'm going to get hit, it's either from – the inside from my guard, like getting beat or somebody just getting T-boned from the inside. Like if uh, the center is freed up and he comes and he just T-bones the defensive tackle and the defensive tackle just flies out and runs right into the side of my knee. That's happened a few times. Um, Or if somebody misses a block on the other side, like Mm -hmm. I mentioned, and they go for the quarterback and fly into me. But outside of that, like there's, you're not getting hit that much in the lower body. Um, but in the run game, players can come from anywhere, especially as you're going downfield and you're finishing blocks. A lot of times you get those safeties that are kind of coming in from the side, and, and they're little guys going against bigger running backs, and so a lot of times they're diving at their legs, and uh, a lot of times that's how you're getting rolled up or you're getting in, in bad positions or you get stuck in a pile and your foot gets caught in the ground and the whole pile falls down. That's how Alex Mack broke his leg yeah. against the Steelers. Um, he was just in a pile, and the whole pile fell sideways on his leg. Oh, that was the, the beginning of the end for that 2014. That was game. it. That was so the, you guys, of the Kyle Shannon era. <laughs> you guys have talked a lot about the seasons where you had multiple players on your roster or a substantial amount of players on your roster who you felt like didn't belong in the league or maybe were putting other guys at risk. Did you ever make that case to your GM, coaching staff owner that this is a dangerous situation for the players on the roster to have this many guys? Yeah, out there? yeah I would really like if you guys could uh, make our team better so that uh, I'm not put at risk. And they were like, yeah, no shit. You think you're trying to suck? Oh, wait, like, yes, me, that did happen a few times. write that down. Make yeah. team better, Hawk. Better. Thanks yeah. for coming good, in. Good advice. Yeah. And then I left and they cut me. <laughs> I was like, if you could get rid of the bad players, that'd be great. Make team better. Okay, Hawk, you're out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, there was one time, though, uh, that they were going to play a quarterback. And I was like, ah, that might not be safe because he doesn't know the plays. <laughs> and if he throws it to me in double coverage against the safety, I am going to die. So, yeah, there, there, there's been times like that. Um, the other thing we talked about, other uh, coaching randomness was I was thinking about the Dan Quinn situation in Atlanta. And there was an old article that I, when I was just, I was on the Google machine looking it up. And it talked about when Kyle left, that the Falcons were considering uh, two members of Kyle's staff to be a coordinator. But they ultimately decided to go with Steve Sarkeesian mm-hmm. um, as the offensive coordinator. The two staff members they were considering, but they ultimately decided were not ready for the role were Matt LaFleur hmm. and Mike McDaniel, who is the run game really? coordinator for the 49ers and more than likely going to have head coach interviews this offseason as well as probably uh, continue to run Kyle's offense. But it's just funny, like when you talk about Dan Quinn and that defense and how it all fell apart when Kyle left, it didn't just go wrong when Kyle left. Where he made the mistake was not trusting the two guys he had under him who had been with him almost every step of the way and the guy that he trusts most in the past game and the, tra- the guy that he's trusted most in his run game. And it's funny that I'll fast forward a couple years later, Dan is on the hot seat and those other guys are, are uh, you know, hot candidates and head coaches everywhere else. Which uh, Yeah, I'd agree. The, the biggest mistake that Dan Quinn has made in his tenure in Atlanta was hiring Steve Sarkeesian, who doesn't know the Kyle Shanahan scheme. Like, uh, that scheme is enormously detailed and you have to know every little bit about it in order to effectively run it because the run mirrors the play action yep which mirrors the pass everything looks the same from the start you're stretching the field and if everything doesn't fit together like a puzzle it doesn't work it's just a bunch of random plays and you're gonna have a lot of lost yardage plays because when you run the wide zone you're taking a risk 
by basically you're running behind the line of scrimmage a lot longer. And that's actually one of the reasons Pettin didn't love the wide zone a lot of times was because we had a lot of lost negative run plays. And Mm -hmm. as a defensive guy, what do they hate more than anything? I just don't turn the ball over, don't lose yardage, and just let me win a 3-0 game with my defense. But that's not how the Shanahan scheme works. And so when you try to hire Sharkeesian and say, yeah, just go do what Kyle did, obviously there's going to be plenty, as Johnny Manziel used to say, lost in the sauce. Lost in the sauce. Getting rid of him and trying to go with somebody else now um, that has also proven to be uh, too little too late. Yeah, and I mean, it's like when you try to bring somebody in to run somebody else's offense, it's it's like Wife Swap. You ever seen the show Wife Swap? Oh, that's great. Yeah. That was a really great comment by you, Andrew. You're spot on tonight. <laughs> you know, when the spouse comes to try to run somebody else's house, like the kids are like, no, I'm not just going to call you mom. I don't know you, right? <laughs> that's a, Like you don't know how that house operates. It's, it's That's basically what you're doing, man. Are you advocating for a tomahawk wife swap? Because this is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> this is, you're definitely, you're going to have a lot to talk about at HR. <laughs> um, so John then asked me, well, what is the role of a run game coordinator? And I'm like, you know what? That's a good question for Joe because I couldn't oh, quite articulate it the same way. And then he also yeah. asked, "What? how does the position coaches play into the greater scheme? Because it's like I don't think a lot of people realize what everybody is doing and what their roles are and how this all meshes together and honestly why we need so many damn coaches on each NFL team. So, Joe, I'm going to let you start that off. So I played for nine offensive coordinators, and I would guess maybe six or seven of the nine – had guys that were in charge of the run game. They had the run game coordinator, right? Which to Mm -hmm. me, that means two things. One, you don't know much about the run game. And two, you don't (laughs) know how to call the run game. So you've basically delegated that and all you think about is, we'll run when we have to. I want (laughs) to throw the ball and we'll run when we're forced to. Third and one, all right, I guess I have to call a run. Uh, The reason the Kyle Shanahan drink Scheme works so well is because Kyle is the run game coordinator. He mm-hmm. understands that if you want to have effective play action, you have to make your play action passes look exactly like your runs. But, and you have but, to understand why you're running certain run plays to set up certain route concepts and certain looks in the passing game. And he understands when I'm running a wide zone, let's just say to the right, and I've got a tear action in the backfield where the tight end comes across the formation and blocks the backside defensive end. When that defensive end is closing too hard, he knows when to call the tight end to slip into the flat and to dump it to him. And then he knows when you should run the takeoff route because the safety is sucking up and you know you can throw it over his head and you can make it all fit together like a puzzle. Like I said, that's why this scheme has taken off and it's become so popular because forever in the NFL, you had smart passing guys that knew X's and O's in the passing game and then you had offensive line Fatsos. Yeah. But I'll call them fatsos that new run game really, really well. But there was, there was total disconnect. You could basically just have any bunch of run concepts and match them with the pass concepts because the pass concepts were all just drop back pass. And the run concepts could be whatever. This is whatever the offensive line coach likes. And if it's a a pass, the, the pass coordinator calls it. And then typically the offensive coordinator is the pass coordinator and so he just says hey i want to run here what do you guys like and then the the run game coordinator just goes like this it just points his finger on the sheet and they pick something out of out of thin air <laughs> well that's what's curious about cal's staff because mike mcdaniel is his run game coordinator and joe woods is his pass game coordinator and i think prior to like matt lafleur going to tennessee he was the pass game coordinator so I feel like for Kyle, it helps free him up to do more of head coaching duties. They don't have anyone labeled as the offensive coordinator because Kyle is still the ultimate say, but then it still has somebody focusing strictly on pass, someone focusing strictly on the run game, and then Kyle basically mirrors those two together as the offensive guru who he is. Well, let let me put a bow on that. So, yeah, he has a pass coordinator and a run game coordinator, but basically they're just taking some work off his plate. They're the guys that are watching the film during the week. They're looking at tendencies. They're looking at formations. They're looking at personnel groupings and seeing where, okay, the leverage is screwed up when we get into this formation versus this defense uh, with this personnel, and we can take advantage of it by running these two plays in the first half, and then we can set it up with a big shot in the third quarter after they've already seen these two looks. Um, And then they bring it to Kyle, like the grand poobah that he 
is. And then he'll look at it and then he's able to kind of like sift it. It's kind of like having a secretary, right? Yeah. He gives him the thumbs up or the thumbs down or he, you know, kind of sends it back to square one. Um, so they're basically just taking some of the work that he normally would be doing if he was just the offensive coordinator, taking it off his plate. Um, and additionally, on game day, they serve as an extra set of eyes. So Kyle's calling all the plays, run and pass, but he's getting input from other guys because as they're getting ready for the game, he's giving his run coordinator, all right, here are our top 30 plays mm -hmm. in the run game. I want you to watch for how do they substitute versus this formation and personnel groupings. Um, how do they align leverage-wise when we get into a bunch? You know, all those different things that he knows he can take advantage of later in the game, he wants that run game coordinator watching so that they can be his eyes so that they can report back in real time and make those corrections immediately as they're happening so that if they are, ha if, if defense is doing something that's unsound, oh, you know, we got into the slide draw concept and they left the gap free because the safety was using improper leverage. Mm -hmm. Okay, we can go right back to that and I can tell my running back okay, this is where the ball should hit because they didn't fit it properly and we're going to just make them bleed until they fix it. And it's the same thing in the pass game. And so um, I think it's important to understand that, yes, he has a run and a pass coordinator, but they're just there to kind of take some of the stuff that he already knows off of his plate. Right. Well, Mike McDaniel going to be a hot name um, potentially for a team – well, I'm not even going to start start that BS here. Not not on my podcast. But it is time for us to move on to Dog Check. Dog Check! All right, Browns are 2 and 5. It's been a it's been a tough road in 2019. Joe predicted them winning the Super Bowl this year. Um so we'll mm. see if Joe Stradamus can turn it around in the back end of the schedule. Uh but luckily the schedule does get easier. Looking ahead, they have a, a bunch of winnable games, and they've had probably the toughest, one of the toughest schedules in the front stretch of the season. Uh, so what we're going to do now is we're going to predict what we think the Browns' remaining record is going to look like. Right, John? Mm-hmm. All right, so how are we teeing this up? I'll read the game. You guys tell me win or loss. All right, that seems simple enough. So the Browns are 2-5. and five. This Sunday they play at Denver, win or loss. They're going to beat Denver. Denver is playing their backup. Joe Flacco's got a neck injury. And even if he was playing, he's playing like he had a neck injury because he's playing horribly. And the Browns should win this one, and they will win this one. I'm going to say W here, too. Because if, 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 the, if the Browns lose to Denver, I, I'm, I am done with it, bro. <laughs> like, there is, there is nothing that, like, there's no way. So I'm going to say W just for the sake of I don't think it's going to end this week. Sunday, November 10th, versus Buffalo. Hawk, win or loss? Uh, loss. I think they're going to lose to Buffalo. Hmm. Joe? So I love Buffalo. I, I've picked them as my sixth and final wild card in the AFC. I think their defense is really solid. I am uh, on the Josh Allen bandwagon. I think the Browns are still going to win this, though, because to me right now, I look at the Browns and I'm saying they just need a little bit of confidence. They've got the talent. They need a little confidence to help with that consistency. The win in Denver will help them roll back home against Buffalo in front of those great Cleveland Browns fans. It's a win. Week 11 versus the Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night, the day after Tomahawk Live, November 14th. Win or loss, Hawk. I'm going to go with win. I think they're going to beat Pittsburgh at home. Uh, I think they're a more talented football team than Pittsburgh, but I think they're a more talented football team uh, than a lot of the games that they've already lost. Um, so I'm, I'm <laughs> foreshadowing here, but I'm, I'm going to go Pittsburgh win in this one. Joe? Mm. You are clearly wrong. The Cleveland Brownies are going to be so motivated after Tomahawk Live. Wait they might win this game by 40. Did I say Pittsburgh win? Yes. No, I mean Cleveland win. My bad. Cleveland wins the first one versus Pittsburgh at home. Great take there. My bad. You must work on TV. No, I put W beside the Pittsburgh name on the schedule, so I just read it literally Pittsburgh W. <laughs> I read what's on the prompter, Joe. All right. Next we got what? Week 12, Sunday, November 24th versus Miami. Yeah, they Joe. win this one. My bad. That's an easy one. Joe, Hawk, win. They're yes. going to win this one. 
Yep, they're going to win this one. That's an easy one. Miami still do to Miami, by the way, I picked them to win today on Cleveland Browns Daily, just so you know. Uh-huh. And they are currently winning as we're recording this during Monday Night Football. Uh, Joe Thomas, he's not wrong often. He's usually <laughs> right. Tonight, he was right. There you go. Time will tell. Sunday, December 1st at Pittsburgh. Joe, win or loss? So I actually think they're going to lose this one. Going into Pittsburgh's always a tough place to play. They are on a four-game win streak going into this game. They're feeling themselves a little too much, so this one brings them back down to earth. I got a loss there, too. I think they lose in Pittsburgh because uh, Pittsburgh, too, has a really good defense. Again, I think they win the first one at home, and they trade with the Pittsburgh. But the robbery is the robbery. You got to throw the records out when these two teams play. Are we getting Big Ben back this year? No. Is there a chance he's there for this game? No. No, no way. We might never see Big Ben again. That sounded a little Hawkstradamus-y. Yeah. Hot take Hawk. Hawkstradamus. Joe Stradamus and Hot take Hawk. <laughs> Week 14 versus Cincinnati. Joe, win or loss? Uh, they're going to win in Cincinnati. Cincinnati is melting, and the melt will continue on December 8th yeah. at home. Yeah. Cincinnati looking like they're going to be picking first overall come April. I got Cincinnati taking the L, too, so Cleveland beats Cincy. Week 15 at Arizona. Hawk, win or loss? I have a loss here. I actually think they're going to take an L to Kyler because I think this could be – watching the Browns, they're not like the easy games, and this is the team they should be. I think they're more talented, but I do think Kyler Murray is really, really good. And one of these weeks, the Browns are going to have a, a lapse in like just watching their team. They're undisciplined. They overlook squads, and I think they're going to overlook the Cardinals, and they're going to, the Cardinals are going to beat the Browns. So I believe that this week that we're currently in is sort of their come-to-Jesus moment where they, they go on a little bit of a run. They start playing more consistently. They eliminate the turnovers and the penalties. Uh, they, they stumble in Pittsburgh, but that's okay. They win against Cincinnati. But to me, this is another one of those games where they're going to go down to Arizona. They're going to be the old Browns from the beginning of the season when they're a little bit too confident. They're a little too excited. A young team going on a big West Coast road trip to nice weather in December can be a very distracting. And this team has proven to be very distractible. And this is going to be a loss in Arizona. Kyler Murray, to me, has been the biggest surprise with Cliff Kingsbury of the NFL season. They've been very good and very competitive in every game. And Kyler is super fun to watch. I, I love watching yep. this team. Yep, yep. Good takes. Week 16, home for Baltimore. Win or loss? Hawk. Whew. This is what people are going to get pissed off at me. I have the Baltimore Ravens winning. I think that's another uh, rivalry where they trade wins Cleveland whooped their ass the first one um at this point in the season I think it'll be very very important for a Baltimore W and Baltimore's a pretty good team and I I think they get the W Joe so this is this is a big win for the Browns Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to be a little bit worn down at this point in the season but even more than that when you start playing late in the season on grass the field conditions slow everybody down. Me as a fat and slow offensive lineman, I loved it. I never, ever gave up sacks late in the season because technique wins over athleticism late in the year when the field conditions mm. are sloppy. The sloppy field conditions will make Lamar Jackson look normal like a regular human being and he won't be able to do his usual ground and pound 150 yards on the ground he'll be forced to throw in tough conditions in cleveland ohio cleveland wins this one big Ooh, i didn't take that into consideration we'll see you want to change you liked what i said though you really got me you sold me i'm not gonna lie you (laughs) you got me thinking about those december games in cleveland i'm like yeah that shit was cold and and i was slow <laughs> you were slow. Everybody was my speed in December in Cleveland. Yeah, man, shit. You're staying with the L Hawk? Or you yeah, flipping? I'm going to stay with it. Sunday, December 29th, last game of the season at Cincinnati. Joe, win or loss? They win this one, and actually this is the game that wins them the division because they're going to be tied with Baltimore 9-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. This win gets them to 9-7. and seven. But they're going to have the tiebreaker over Baltimore because they've beaten them twice. This gets them in the playoffs with a division crown. And all of a sudden, Freddie Kitchens is up for coach of the year all over again. After a dreadful start, he will be in the category (laughs) of coach of the year by the end of the season. Man. Joe, you've been drinking. You've been doing the Tomahawk drinking game today. (laughs) (laughs) I like the nine and seven take. I was thinking more eight and eight. And then I looked at my numbers there. Actually, seven to nine, huh? If you have them beating Cincinnati. <laughs> wow. Awfully yeah. pessimistic. So let me see. One, two, three, four, five. All right. I got to find a W somewhere. Buffalo, Pittsburgh. Let's Arizona, go, Buffalo. Baltimore. 
Jeez. This is tough. It's at Arizona. Hey, I'm falling asleep over here, guys. Would you please pick? <laughs> I'm Jesus. sorry. Eight and eight. All right. Eight and eight. I'll give Thank them the Baltimore you. game. That's my prediction. Joe's is nine and seven. They win the division. Freddie Kitchens wins coach of the year. They still make it to the Super Bowl and win the championship. Joe Stradamus, hot take hawk. We will see how we fare as the season goes on. All right, Joe, are you ready to work in? Papa, don't play that on your Thursday night football broadcast. Yeah, man, I've been thinking about it already. I'm excited about this trip. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I've, I've really been uh, enamored with Kyler Murray. I'm excited to watch him. Uh, going to meet up with our old boy, Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to try to get a picture on the sideline oh, with him. Oh, man. Uh, for the drinking game, uh, maybe pre or post game. It should be a lot of fun. The, the 49ers are fun. The Cardinals are fun. I'm going to hopefully maybe even get up early on Thursday morning and do a little hike in Arizona. A lot of great hikes in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, and so it's already been going through my head. Papa, don't play that. Where are we putting this in? I'm not exactly sure, but it's going to be epic wherever it is. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Hiking, that sounds fun. I mean, you do the best white guy activities. Yeah, man. Of I'm the I've... best stereotypical white guy. Yeah, ever. you're like the cool. You're like uh, Paul Bunyan if he was a left tackle and retired with $100 million. <laughs> it's awesome dude by the way i was feeding my cows today so is is that another like white (laughs) guy thing or that's just country there's things you do on a weekly basis that i will never do my entire life feeding cows is one of them hiking one of them i'll I'll send you a video next time hawk i'm I'm sure you're excited about i get a pat on the back if i remember to feed my kids every day my wife, is, my wife is like, good job, Dad. You're doing great. Wow, Dad of the Year. Yeah. I get a cereal I get an award. They, they poured it themselves, but <laughs> I mean, you opened the cabinet. He cooked you it, but them. I paid for him to go to the grocery store. Yeah. Anyway, that does it for this episode of the Tomahawk Show. We got to give a shout out to Rob Gronkowski for joining us here. Uh, Joe, what are your final, final thoughts? Final thoughts. It's been a great week. I'm excited for Thursday Night Football for all the reasons I mentioned, but also there's a special surprise. I'm a big Halloween costume guy. Ah. There's an football is on Halloween this year so we'll be in costume I believe a little bit how do we not talk Halloween you are a huge Uh, Halloween guy I love Halloween all right we'll talk I've already tweeted out I've already had three different Halloween costumes and it's not even Halloween yet so (laughs) just wait big boy all right next episode we are going to talk about uh, best stories from Joe's famous Cleveland Halloween parties all right that does it Gronk Take us out. Yo, what's up, everyone? Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rob G, the one and only, and you can go Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>